0: Hello, friend. Welcome back to Growing in Grace. I want us to look at Luke chapter 12. There's a man in this passage that was not growing in grace. He was actually growing in greed. Jesus chose to give it the name covetousness. So I'd like to stay with that one. But I want us to look at Luke chapter 12, verses 13 down through verse 21. I want us to explore the depths of it because I do believe that materialism can really get a chokehold on us and it can be from different angles. So I want us to look at covetousness in all the different ramifications that are discussed in this passage. You know, when it comes to depths, I was thinking about where, where would the deepest location on the face of the earth be? Do you know what it is? It's actually in the western Pacific. It's found somewhere between the Philippines and the Mariana Islands. It's a crescent-shaped scar deep beneath the ocean that uh, it's 1,500 miles long, 43 miles wide, but here's the kicker. There's one part of it called Challenger Deep. It's nearly seven miles deep. You could hide Mount Everest in that thing. It's called the Mariana Trench. So... It's interesting that even though we've had two explorers go down there in 1960, Jacques Picard and Navy Lieutenant Don Walsh, they were only down there 20 minutes, and it was kind of scary. And there's still many unanswered questions because no one else has ever been back. And so I think no one really can tell us the depths of covetousness. But I like what Jesus says here because I think it's going to help us in life. So i want to pass these things along to you. If you have a copy of the scriptures, follow along with me as I start in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, And is not rich toward God. I want us to begin by considering the context of this passage. You know, the context here in Luke chapter 12, it's interesting. Jesus is trying to warn his disciples of some pitfalls that are out there waiting on us in life. For example, he was trying to warn the people of the Pharisees and how they were being hypocritical. So the first pitfall we have to be careful about in life is being fake, being phony. Verses one through three, Jesus wants us to be real, to be honest, to be transparent. But then when you go down to verses four through seven, it's not being fake that is dealt with, but being fearful. Are you ever afraid? Well, definitely he deals with fear there. Fear not, you're of more value than many sparrows. Because he was talking about how God knows about the sparrows and he knows about us. Isn't that comforting? Well, that's another pitfall. But then I guess the other one would be fretting. You know, the verses uh, just before verse 13 speak about being worried and anxious. But then even after he gives this parable, it's like in this parable, he's interrupted by a man. But then he gets right back on track in talking about being anxious and fearful. So those are definitely some of the things we have to be careful about. But another thing would be only living for finances, only living for material things and possessions. So I want us to look at this passage and see, what is it that the Lord is trying to tell us? Be very careful about this as you go through life. Well, the first thing we notice right off the bat is conflict, right? Have you ever known money to cause any conflict? Don't answer that. (laughs) Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Hmm. You see, already we can tell that there was a problem here. Jesus is talking about spiritual issues. He's talking about life and how God is so connected to everyday life. But here's the thing, this guy wasn't listening. It's like this guy isn't tuned in to fear, to worry, to the what he's talking about on being a hypocrite and so forth. What he's thinking about is this money. And so he's indifferent to spiritual truths and all he's thinking about is this material treasure that apparently, his brother had inherited and is not dividing with him. But Jesus didn't want to wade into that. I find that sort of striking. But instead, what he does is he offers a caution, a caution regarding covetousness. You know, that word there for covetousness means to have more, to have more. And then he says, it's like be on guard for all covetousness. What he's saying is there are different categories, and so we have to be careful that we don't get pulled in to coveting this and coveting that, and pretty soon, contentment is totally out the window, and growing in the Lord, well, that's out the window as well. And so I got to thinking about his last words in this verse 15, when he says, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions what would you say the most important treasures you have in life are would in that group would you only say it's your possessions or what about relationships anyone in your family mean more to you than let's say your house than your car than your cell phone you know than your money What about character? What about morals? What about helping other people? What about faith? You see, covetousness and only living for more and more things, it doesn't get at the heart of what God intends for our lives to be about. And that's why he is telling us, you need to be cautious about this. You need to be on guard because it can take a hold of you so quickly. So here's what he does. He gives a comparison. It says here, he told them a parable. A parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Have you ever thought, what is a parable anyway? A parable, what it means is something that is brought alongside. So something is brought alongside that we're familiar with so that we can learn, oh, that's what he's talking about. Spiritually, from that tangible item that we understand so easily in life. For example, remember another parable? If you have ever been reading through the Gospel of Luke, then here we are in chapter 12, right? But in Luke chapter 8, there's a parable of the sower. He sows seed, gospel seed, on different types of soils. But one of the soils, he said, it's got a lot of weeds. And so those weeds can choke out the fruitfulness that the word would have. And what are those weeds? Well, a little bit later in Luke chapter 8, verse 14, he defines what he meant by the weeds. He says, well, the weeds would represent cares, riches, and pleasures that somehow get in the way and they prevent us from being as fruitful as the Lord would want us to be. You know, when it says here that this man's uh, property, his land, his crops, they brought forth plentifully, you know, the Greek word there is euphoreo. It's the word we get from euphoria. He was so excited. He was so happy. It's this feeling of well-being. But the, the issue is, even though he feels excited, is he thinking about relationships? Is he helping and serving other people? Has he even thought about God? Has he even considered his character? What about his morals? How did he get the money that he has? What about his faith in the Lord? All of those things, I think, are part of this comparison to covetousness. So let's see what we can learn from this man's life. You see, in verse 17, here's the first thing he does. Verse 17 says, And he thought to himself, What shall I do? for I have nowhere to store my crops. Hmm. You know what? So far, he hasn't made a mistake. Jesus is not coming down on people here for working hard, for making money. That's not the point. The problem with this man is he's off balance. He's assuming that happiness and fulfillment, he's assuming life is really about just having more and more things. And so that's where his problem is. But so far, whenever it says he's thinking this through, that's a good thing to do. Do you ever just push the pause button on your life and just think, you know what? I need to reflect. I need to consider and ponder. That word actually is the word we get our word dialogue from. It's dialogizomai, dialogizomai. It means to reason, to liberate. think through, to reflect. And so, like I said, so far, there's no sin. But here comes the problem. In all of his reflection, in all of his consideration, there's no mention of him being grateful to God for that plentiful harvest that he just had. So there's no gratefulness. There's also no consultation with God. He has a problem. He says, I don't have a place to store my crops. Wouldn't it be natural to say, Lord, would you give me wisdom? You've really blessed me lately. I'm so grateful. I would like for your, your guidance to know what best to do here. But then also, there's no mention of him giving anything from all of this blessing that he's received. There's no mention of him even giving an offering to God's work or to sharing this with someone in need, not even his family. Family's not even mentioned here. As a matter of fact, I want you to listen to what the parable says that the man is thinking in this reflection time. Listen to the pronouns. Don't you think he's a little bit off balance? I'm going to give it emphasis for effect, okay? But let me read what he says during this time of thinking it through. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. And build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You see what I mean? I think that's what's happening. This man, by focusing only on money and by focusing only on things, possessions, material things, He doesn't realize it, but he's definitely pulling away from God. He's pulling away, perhaps, from his family. He's pulling away from who knows what. I mean, maybe even his morals. We don't know that. I'm just saying that's possible. But all I do see is this craving, craving more and more. We see in verse 18, this self-indulgence, this entitlement, did he really need to have more barns? Bigger barns? Or did he really need perhaps a bigger heart? A bigger vision than his property? I don't know. All I can tell you is I just find it interesting that this man is having such a hard time here thinking this thing through objectively without thinking about himself. He's very self-centered and so I think that's where he's beginning to veer off. Leads me to another thing. I wonder if maybe contentment could have been introduced here in verse 19 and made such a difference for this man, because here's what he's saying. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. You know, it's like. There's no place in this man's heart for stewardship or for gratitude or any of these things. You know, the book of James, if you were to check out James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, there's a problem there. And the problem is not that this man is a businessman. The problem is not making trips. The problem that James highlights in James 4, verses 13 through 15 It's the presumption about life, the presumption about security, the presumption about business and planning and so forth. Once again, there's nothing wrong with planning, but it's just presuming upon God that you'll be there in order to carry out all of those kinds of plans. You know, I think that this man, it's like his vision of the future, the quality of his future was equivalent to the size of his barns. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's a shame. Like, it's, he should think beyond the size of his barns and beyond the size of his, you know, particular harvest in that year. But it seems like there's such a pursuit here of pleasure. You know, as he's talking, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I wonder if there was a place for helping others all around him. Once again, going back to those pronouns, it's all about himself. It's all about me and my. Have you ever read Lord of the Rings? Have you ever seen the movie Lord of the Rings? You remember the character in there, Gollum? Mine. That's what I think of when I see this man and I hear this man. I'm thinking, wow, this is really uh, a serious thing going on in his life. Covetousness is at the wheel of his life. When you go down into verse 20, you see the wake-up call that comes from God. God said to him, you're just basing everything on conjecture. He says, you fooled this night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So he was assuming that he had another day, and that's the problem with only living for material things and so forth. You know, I find it interesting, if you were to do a word study on the word required, Jesus says, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The word required, do you know it's actually, um, that word is from the economic, it's an economic term related to the obligation to repay a debt. You have to pay back what was loaned to you so borrowed property is demanded to be returned so here we have a man who's given life by his creator god but that life is not his he thought it was he presumed it was his but now he realizes oh no my life is owned by god and so at any time god can call in the loan so i'm thinking to myself oh my goodness you know, this is really a serious issue for us to think through. Am I assuming that all of life is only about accumulating more and more things? You know, in Hebrews 9:27, it reminds us that there's an appointment that all of us will have to keep. It says, "It is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment." Amos says in Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, prepare to meet your God. That's what he's sort of getting at here. Jesus says, the things you prepared, whose will they be? You see, this man was not preparing for eternity. He was only preparing for more time here on this earth. I think Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 also bring up this whole thing about, okay, I've worked so hard to accumulate these things, to earn these things, and now whose will they be? You know, in Ecclesiastes 2, he says uh, in verses uh, 18 and 19, I hated all my toil in which I toll under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. So I'm thinking, oh, Lord, help me to realize that, that it's my soul that will go on in eternity, not all the things that I've worked hard and been able to accumulate. So once again, remember, Jesus is not trying to say that, that making money, that working hard, that trying to save, he's not saying all of those things are bad or wrong so I want us to look at verse 21, because I think that there's, um, there's something important in this last verse. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Hmm. You know, I think the way to conquer covetousness is to say, Lord, help me invest in people. Help me invest in your kingdom. Help me invest in souls. I want to ask you a serious question on, is there a difference between legitimate, wise saving and hoarding? Do you see a difference? I think there is a difference. You know, his folly was that he was self-centered. His self-centeredness was self-inflicted. It's true that God had blessed him. It's true that God had given him so much in his life. You know, I like the way that it says in First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. This is the balance that I hear Jesus speaking of here. Listen to what it says. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life." That's what Jesus is getting at. He wants you and he wants me to to know what life is really all about and to see that I can do some things with all that I earn, that these things will be eternal. I'm investing in eternal things like his word, like the souls of men, like the kingdom of God. These things will go on forever and ever. You remember a long time ago, there was a missionary and he went to Ecuador and he was working alongside of four other missionaries. His name was Jim Elliott. And uh, those missionaries were actually killed trying to take the gospel message uh, to the Alka Indians. But Jim Elliott had a saying, and here's one of the things he said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. That's what Jesus wants for you, friend. He's just saying, listen, I want you to be rich toward God and not just Keep all the treasures for yourself. One time when Jesus was with his disciples, there was a really interested young man, and he came to talk to him. This is found actually in Luke 18, verses 18 to 23. And this young guy was so fervent, he was so sincere, he really wanted to know where he could find eternal life. So Jesus talked to him for a moment, and he told him, look, if you want to follow me, Come follow me, but I want you to give up what you have to the poor. He couldn't do it. It says that he was very sad because he was extremely rich. You see, Jesus saw through that man's soul, and he saw that really that guy was living for material things. He was only living for wealth. Is it wrong to have wealth? Is it wrong to to work hard? No, I've tried to make that clear through this time. As a matter of fact, remember in 1 Timothy 6, it said, God richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Enjoy what you work so hard for. But remember, enjoy it with your family. Why not bless someone else that someone else could have joy in their life? Why not invest in the eternal word of God? There's so many opportunities for global missions these days where you can help people around the world. You know, I love that um, whole idea of treasure. To lay up treasure, he says, uh, not for yourself, but to be rich toward God. You know that word treasure there is treuridzo, treuridzo. It's a word that we get a thesaurus from, thesaurus. A thesaurus is a treasury of words. And so we need to say, oh Lord, help me to make the right kind of investment in the right kind of treasures. So I hope that today's been inspirational. I, I hope that you've heard God's voice through the words of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God's word's living, it's active, so it can connect with us at any point. Why don't I close us in prayer? Lord, thank you so much for the blessings we received. So help us not live for material things. Help us to live for you. Help us to honor you with all the things you give to us. Thank you once again, Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless all my friends. Thank you so much for them. Wherever they are today, would you show them how good you are? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.